0: morning orchard now a couple weeks ago i stood before you and i said that we have a challenge with operation christmas child our old record is 516 and we will break it this year tomorrow's the deadline and i just talked i just talked to the team and we are at 640 boxes a new record which is fun because next year we're going to break that thousand. I'm telling you we're going to get it orchard. Well done. Those of you who stepped into it. Some of you took it back to your organizations, your companies, your families, your friends, whatever it was. Thank you so much for stepping into that. each of those boxes will arrive at some child's lap and change their day. perhaps their eternity is our prayer. Amen? Amen. So with that said, let's jump in. Um, today we're talking about spiritual growth, and I want to tell you something about spiritual growth. Are you ready? It's a choice. Spiritual growth is a choice. Spiritual growth doesn't happen by accident. You don't don't coast your way into spiritual growth the same way you don't coast yourself into intimacy and marriage. You don't accidentally have a good marriage. In fact, you may think that you do, and it might all seem well, but marriage, as in your spiritual life, at some point in the future, if we're coasting, you will not end up where you wanted. I say this a lot about coasting. Which direction do you always go when you coast? Downhill. You always coast downhill. If you're coasting in your marriage, you're not climbing toward intimacy. If you're coasting in your character, you're not going to coast into integrity. And if I'm coasting in my spiritual life, I'm not going to coast into spiritual maturity. And today we're talking about growing up. Growing up spiritually, because this is important. And I just want to talk about my daughter for a second, just because I like to talk about her. When Selah was born, she was the cutest baby on the face of the planet. And and, and that hasn't changed, even though she's grown up beyond that. And and when she was little, you know when you have your first baby, you just sit there and you stare at it for hours? I mean, I can't hardly do anything for an hour, but I could just sit there and stare at her. Everything she did was so precious and cute. And in fact, even the the stinky baby stuff she did, it was still so cute because she was so delightful. Um, But those things were what she did when she was a newborn. If after a year, my little Selah was still doing those infant things, guess what? It's not cute anymore, is it? I'm going to take her to the doctor to get her development checked. If after five years of age, she's still doing newborn things, is it still cute at that point? No. She needs an intervention. If after 10 years, my daughter is still doing newborn things, it's not cute. It's sad. And after decades and decades, if she's still doing newborn things, it's not cute, it's not concerning, it's not sad. It's, it's actually tragic. In the same way, those of us who, who claim to follow Jesus, we have been born again, the Bible says. Our spirits have been born anew into God's kingdom. Now, when you're born again, when you choose to follow Jesus in salvation, you're not equipped with all the knowledge of his Bible automatically on day one. You don't get. get come to Jesus and all of a sudden have full maturity of faith and in prayer and and understand all things. We're born again as spiritual infants. The Bible says even that we drink spiritual milk, the basics about God and his love. It's the kind of things that they learn upstairs right now about Jesus and his death and resurrection and, and how to treat others the way you want to be treated, the basics. The Bible calls it spiritual milk. And as time passed, God designed it, intended it, that our spiritual life would mature past and beyond milk. Babies are born, but babies are born to grow up. And God desires that of our spiritual lives as well. And at some point, we hopefully stop solely drinking the milk of the basics and eat some solid foods. We eat some solid spiritual food, begin to chew on the reality that God calls us to be a holy people. We begin to dine on the depths of God's word, even the challenging parts. We put the milk down and eat from the plate and the table of self-sacrifice and of integrity and following Jesus even when it's not easy. Our spiritual rebirth was beautiful. We are spiritual infants at first, and some of our newborn spiritual ways are cute. But after some time passes, many people never grow beyond their infant ways. At first it was cute. But spiritually, if after a year we're still behaving as we did at our newborn, and phase it's not cute anymore it's concerning you know we might keep coming to church for years and years without change without any change and in fact we may eat some solids but we require the preacher to be entertaining and tell some jokes as he airplanes the, the spoon-fed truth into our mouth there's some solids you know we we, we, we we don't change we don't grow up we don't feed ourselves but even then there's little change at some point it's not cute that we're acting like spiritual infants it's concerning And after, if 10 years go by and there's no real spiritual growth, it's not even concerning. At that point, it's sad. And for some of us, it goes decades and decades, and we still look the same spiritually as when we first walked that aisle, when we first were at youth camp and said yes to Jesus. We haven't changed at all, and it's not sad. It's not concerning. It's tragic. Because nothing has changed in our spiritual life. No growth. You see, Here's the point. God didn't save you from something, He saved you for something. And He calls us to mature and grow into that. Another truth is this God will never force you to grow. That's why spiritual growth is a choice. He's not going to force His way and force you to make these decisions today's message is simply a call to this wherever you are in your spiritual life whether you don't know about jesus yet you don't know if you believe that maybe you're freshly on board and you've prayed that maybe you've been saved for years maybe it's been decades wherever you are on the spectrum the call today is know where you are see where you've grown and see where you want to grow and what god would have for you because the bottom line is this it's it's time to grow orchard Today, if you looked at your spiritual life, ask yourself, where have I grown? How have I grown? Do you see those places? Having said yes to those early decisions and the things God asked, you said yes to Jesus at one point, but have you you said yes to other things he's asked of you, those basics? Or have you been putting off spiritual decisions? Have we grown? Am I still needing to be spoon-fed? Am I still just drinking the milk of the basics, or am I feeding myself during the week? Spiritual growth is a choice, and today we're going to read a parable from Jesus that outlines for us the path to our maturity, the path to our breakthrough. And today's message reminds us that in spiritual growth, oftentimes it has less to do with like, huge, catalytic, grand decisions, and more to do with small, everyday choices we make. In fact, there's a truth when it comes to spiritual growth, and that's this. Little choices have big results. On April 1st, 1976, Ronald Wayne signed on to a tiny tech startup. He was given 10% of the the company stock. It was worth $800. The current founders were only 21 years old and 25 years old, and Ronald Wayne was brought on board to bring some adult supervision to this, this company. In fact, he actually drew the first logo for the company. But after a short while, Ronald had his name taken off the contract and he sold his $800 of stock back to the co-founders. Now, this seems like a small decision. It's just $800. It's not that big of a deal, Ronald. But had Ronald Wayne not sold his stock, you would know his name in the news. Because his $800 worth of stock in a small startup called Apple would be worth over $95 billion today. Ronald Wayne's one small decision in the past had huge implications in his future. It seemed like a small thing to to skip out on $800, but the implications were massive. And it might seem like a small thing to cave in our character over here. Just a small thing. I'm just caving in my character over here. But these small decisions can have huge implications farther down. Look at addiction. Look at vices. I mean, every addiction begins with just a small dabble. Just the smallest little dabble over here. And that small thing it has future implications of ruined relationships, stolen destinies, and hardships. Don't underestimate the power of small things because they have huge implications. In the same way, everyone who truly wanted to be good at something, who was a master, started small. Beethoven wasn't born playing masterpieces. At some point, Beethoven played scales but he invested in his gift and those small things that he did over time had huge results. It may seem small. It might seem like a small thing to invest just 10 minutes of your day into your spiritual growth into your time with God. But over time, that small investment in spending time with God will have huge implications. My dad used to always tell me in my teenage years, 10 minutes a day with God will change your life. I didn't believe him then he was right never underestimate the power of small things because they will lead you to large implications in your future in today's parable we learn about the power of something very small that over time will change our lives considerably in fact today's message today's parable may seem small to you as you listen it may seem like something you've heard before. Like It might seem, be like something that gets a little, just a little traction or no traction in your heart. But I promise you, if you invest yourself in what Jesus reveals today, your life will not look the same a year from now. Your marriage and your relationships will not look the same six months from now. If we are faithful to put today's small things into practice, our lives will have huge transformation down the road. And you will see how your faith has grown, and how your faith has matured. So let's get to the parable. It's in Mark 4, verse 3. You're welcome to turn with us at your, or in your center Bible, or you can read on the screens, or you can scroll with us on the app or on your phone. Jesus tells a parable about four different types of people and how they respond to something very, very small. The small thing that, that happens has the power to change every single one of them. Now, Jesus, as he's preaching this parable, is preaching to four different types of people. And I just want to say that those people who were present as he taught this live are also present in this room right now. These four types of people are present in this room and listening and watching online. All four. It's a farming parable. It talks about how we receive and respond to God. So with that, Mark 3, verses 3 and Mark 4, verses 3 and 4. Listen, a farmer went out to, to plant his seeds. Now I'm going to go ahead and give away some of the elements that are hidden in this parable. Jesus tells us that the one doing the planting is God. And the seeds that he is scattering are his word. It's it's the seeds of his truth. These seeds of God's truth are are planted in our hearts and they could come from from reading God's word. These seeds of truth could come in a conversation with a, a brother or sister. These seeds of truth could come during a podcast. These seeds of truth are being scattered right now during this message. The seeds go out in all different ways. So let's look at these four types of soil, and let's, let's look at the four type of listeners that he talks about. The first type of soil, the farmer scatters his seed on, verse, chapter, or verse 4, as the farmer was scattering his seed, some fell on the path, and the... Birds came and ate it up. And he says in Mark 4.15, he explains, Some people are like the seed on the path, the hard path, where the word is thrown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Some are on the hard path. This listener, this soil, has a calloused and hard path heart. And no truth can penetrate it. There's zero exchange between the dynamic divine seed of God's word and truth and the the hard exterior of this heart. The religious people of Jesus' time didn't have open hearts and open minds. And and there are those of us who may sit here today and we have closed hearts and closed minds. and, And the seed that goes out, no matter how true can't penetrate that cold exterior. But, but we, if I'm honest, we come by this soil honestly. You know, many of us have been wounded by the church or wounded by God's people. We've opened up and been hurt and we've closed off and said, never again, I will not let that happen again. We've been wounded by people and we transfer it to God and we say, I'm never letting anybody get that close and hurt me again. Other of us, others of us have our minds made up and we think, oh, here we come, the four soils, yada, yada, yada. I heard this in my 20s. And our minds are already made up. These hearts, these hard path hearts are common. We come by it honestly. The second soil is called the shallow and rocky soil. And listen to what Jesus says about this in verse 5 and 6. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because... The soil was shallow. In verse 16 and 17, Jesus gives us the meaning. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and receives it with great joy. But since there's no root, they last only a short time. When trouble and persecution comes, they quickly fall away. We have this rocky soil. Now notice the type of listener here The soil they do have is good. Notice that when the seed hits the soil, it grows quickly. It has good soil on top, but the seed hits the soil and the soil is shallow. So while there's growth, it's not sustained growth. There's no roots to sustain it when the storms of life hit. Uh, People with rocky soil of their heart are often high emotion, but low devotion. They get excited, but there's no commitment there. Some people make a lifetime of rocky soil and never move beyond it. Every few years or so, they have a personal revival, and they're all excited again. I'm all in. This is it. This is the big one. But because there's huge rocks below the surface, there's never any true roots that go down, and they cycle again out until the next time. Now, how do these rocks get there? How do these rocks get in our soil? What are these rocks? You know, these are the hard places where we've been wounded. They're the places where our hearts are calloused. They're the places where we're fearful, or we have unforgiveness and we're bitter. And we come by these rocks, honestly, as well. You know, some of us have been betrayed in places in our heart, deeply betrayed. And we refuse to trust others or God. We've been wounded and we have places that we say, deep down, no one's getting close to this. This hurt too much, including God. We've been burned and we have cauterized places of our heart and spiritual life that's been shut down to all sensitivity. Where we used to have conviction and sensitivity to God, we have only callousedness now. Our heart used to be broken by the things that breaks God's heart, but not anymore. So while our soil is good on top, below lurks the wounds and the hard places from our past experiences. And unless we do the hard work of partnering with God to dig these rocks up. There will be no roots. Mark says, any growth that we experience will soon wither when the difficult season comes. And and, and we'll move along. We'll move along saying, oh, that church wasn't what I wanted. Those people weren't what I needed. We'll have our excuses of why the things didn't work. But if we're a little bit honest, we could just admit that no church, no people, no preacher, no sermon No moment was ever good enough because it's not what's happening out there that's the problem. It's that we have deep places in our hearts that we just refuse to open up to God. The third type of soil is the one that's thorny, has thorny weeds. Verse seven other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked out the plants so they did not produce grain. Verse 18, the seed that fell among the thorns is those of us who hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it difficult, making it unfruitful. This is another one that has good soil. This soil is ready for growing. The only problem is it's already growing. It's already growing a big crop of thorns. And Jesus tells us these thorns are the worries of this life anxiety. He tells us it's the pursuit and deception of, of riches, materialism, and, and greed. He tells us it's the desire for more, the, the lust and the, the, the worldliness. Anxiety, greed, and lust for more. I don't know if you know this, our world, our culture, is an expert at those three things. They're scattering seed at every commercial, at every chance, at every billboard, all the time. Imagine hearing a sermon with me. You hear a sermon and, and, and it captures your heart. It strikes you so deep. You you want to change the way you're living. You're convicted. Oh, I need to change it. And and you're going to make some big decisions. And so you head out to your car. I'm going to make some changes. I am struck deep. And as soon as you get in and start it, you are greeted by the list of anxieties that you have in your life. Work, family, Monday's tomorrow. I have to do this, this bill, that bill, this thing, that thing. How long does conviction last in the face of Anxiety. Anxiety most often defeats conviction because anxiety is loud, anxiety is screaming, anxiety is demanding, while conviction is is deep. It's quieter and it's calling. This type of soil is those of us who want to change. We start to change, but we seem to get distracted and derailed every time. Because the spiritual growth that we desire is getting choked out by the thorns in our life. This is the believer in Jesus who has a divided heart, who wants to build God's kingdom, but who also wants to build their own kingdom. Who wants to do the thing God asks, but also just seems to get distracted doing the things that they want to do more. This is the person who desires God's way, but also loves and enjoys dabbling in the ways of the world as well. This soil needs to have the thorns pulled out. It needs peace in place of anxiety. It needs contentment in place of greed. It needs godly desires in place of these worldly desires. We have the hard path, the rocky path, or the hard path, the rocky soil, and the thorny soil. When it comes to spiritual maturity, all of these fail the test of time. But Jesus talks about a fourth soil. He calls this the good soil. Let's read what he says about that. Verse 8, still other seed fell on the good soil, and it came up and grew and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, and 100 times. Luke eight fifteen says, the seed in the good soil stands for those with a good and noble heart who hear the word, they retain it, and they by persevering they produce a crop. The good soil allows the seed to fully do its work. There are are no rocks below the surface to, to stunt the roots. There's no thorns present to choke out the shoots. And soon there's growth that the sun and the storm and the difficult circumstances of life cannot stop. The roots go down deep and storms can't break it. This is the heart of the person who experiences true, lasting life change. They live differently than they used to. They can look back and see, I'm not who I used to be. God is changing me. They love people differently than they used to. They forgive. They seek justice. They're generous. They have peace. They have patience. They fight through their doubts to a stronger faith, and they experience transformation in their relationships. They learn to trust God in their career, and they truly grow and mature. And so in this parable, we have four types of soil present. And they're all present here in this room as well. Four types of soil, four types of people. Each has access to the same seed. Each soil gets the same opportunity. It's how they respond to the seed that will have huge implications in their future. An orchard how we respond to the seed of God's truth has everything to do with our spiritual growth and how we're going to be a year, two years, a decade from now. We have this hard pack, hard path soil. The word that describes this is is closed. Closed-minded, closed-hearted. Not open, not available. The rocky, you see, in Jesus' time, there were people who followed Jesus just to get the benefits of being around him. Because you see, Jesus was healing people. He would give out a free meal sometimes if they were out too late. He was always doing amazing things. You know, there wasn't cable TV back then. He, there was no Netflix and chill. It was just, let's go see what Jesus is going to do tonight. And so they would follow him to see what he was going to do. It was incredible. So we had people that just were around him for the benefits. They liked the good things that God gave. And we can be like this as well. We love to get what we can get out of God. This this is the people who are, who are consumers. We want the good stuff. We love the good stuff, but let's not get too deep. Let's not get too personal. Oh, I'll, I'll show up and receive, but don't ask me to give. Then we have the, uh, the thorny. They have their own agenda, and they want Jesus to come help them. You see, over here we have the consumers, but these are the conflicted. The thorny soil is the conflicted. They're caught between growing the seed of God's truth and and a crop of worldliness in their own life. It's those who are building their own kingdom and trying to build God's kingdom. We want God to come help us. We love God. But man, we love the world as well. We're conflicted. Then we have this good soil. And while the other soils waited or wanting to get something from Jesus, this fourth soil wanted to be like Jesus. It's a huge shift. The rocky and thorny soil follow God to get something from his hand. I want God to give me something from his hand. I'm in love with the hand of God. The fourth soil is in love with the heart of God. Not just what we can get. We love who he is. And we want to be like him. The fourth soil... They are the committed. In good times and in bad times. When the seed falls, and it falls on the hard path soil, they use the law of subtraction. They simply take it out. I don't want to hear that. I'm subtracting that from my my life. You ever been in a conversation with somebody who has hard path soil, and you tell them something truth? I don't receive that. They just subtract it out of there. The rocky soil works with addition. Over here, the rocky soil, the consumers, they work with addition. I like my life. I want to add a little Jesus on top. I got this topsoil grown here. I'm going to add a little Jesus onto that. I want to add the stuff I like, but don't give me anything too heavy. It's a shallow faith. I like the good stuff. Nothing more. The thorny soil works in division. Because they have two crops they're trying to grow. They're trying to grow their own kingdom and God's kingdom. They're trying to grow these crops of God's, the fruits of the Spirit and the good stuff. And these over here, the thorns of of worry and riches and desires. And I have to divide my energy to try to make it all work. And guess what? Nothing grows great, but weeds grow better and faster, don't they? They're dividing their energy. The good soil works in multiplication. And Jesus tells us this. He tells us that the person with the good soil, when one tiny seed, the same seed that subtracted and added and divided, the same seed that goes in all those, when it goes into good soil, it multiplies 30, 60, 100 times what it was. Could you imagine that? a crop a hundred times that the seed you received? I mean, you take just your human patience and your human forgiveness, and you got your amount of it, right? But let's say that you, with your good soil, you begin to, to seek God, and he plants his seeds deep down, and the roots go down, and you're a little bit of patience. When you go home to your, your family or your kids, it multiplies, and you're not working with this much patience anymore. You have resources from heaven, you 30, 60, 100 times the patience you used to have. Your family would kind of like that. Well, let's say it was forgiveness. The person who feels God's truth go within them and take up roots and the fruit comes up, that person can forgive their abusers and accusers a hundred times the offense that was done against them because they know they've been forgiven. It's powerful. There are four soils. But I want to say this. The important part is not just to know the parable. That's good. That's good. But the important part is to know where you are in the parable. Where are you in this parable today? The key is to know which soil your heart is and what it might take to get to this good soil where God's goodness is multiplied. You know, spiritual gift is a choice, but it's not an easy choice. Twelve years ago, I I left ministry after severe burnout. Severe heartbreak. And I found a job and I poured myself into it and I tried to get over my past and I tried to get over my broken dreams. And as I look back at that time, I can see that I was all three of these first soils. I was hard, I was rocky, I was, hor- I was thorny. I was all these, all those soils present in one moment. I moved back to Colorado. You know, I, I had been a pastor, I had been in church. I had seen behind the curtain. Of, of organized religion. I would sit in a sermon and I would barely even listen. I didn't want to open my heart to the truth. I, I went through the motions, but I was so wounded by what had happened in my past, I transferred that anger to God. I was angry at God. And I didn't want anything to get close or inside of my calloused external heart. I remember there was a men's retreat here. Uh, it's called the Church of Cardinal back then. And I went to a morning session, and they talked about these these truths about God. And they said, "Okay, now I want to go. Everybody, go split up and get some get some private time. Get your journal out. Just journal your heart. Open up to God and see what He has to say to you." And I was like, "Oh, okay." I went out. I looked around. There's nobody around me. I'm I'm in a private place. I put in my ear earbuds, and I listened to Rage Against the Machine and played Candy Crush for the hour. (laughs) Nothing was getting past the hard path of my heart. And we came back, and what would you guys learn? Oh, yeah, it was great. It was great. Rally around your family. It was amazing. I I, I wasn't even entertaining the idea that God could move in me. I didn't want it. You know, it was actually through the power of authentic community that this began to melt and change. You want to know why I'm such a believer in growth groups in this church, our small group ministry? It's not just because Jesus modeled it in His Word. It's because they're the vessel that Jesus used to transform my life. I started hanging out with a group, a growth group, and we became friends. I opened up. They didn't reject me. I got honest with my heart and hurts. And through my time with them and times around a fire pit discussing all that was going on in my life, the crust of my heart began to thaw. I found myself actually interested once again in God doing something in my life. I actually was open to letting him in as that exterior began to break. And then I looked and as the hard path receded, I I was like, I'm, I'm good. I got good soil. And I looked down and I had good soil. But here's the thing. Rocky soil and good soil both look the same from the outside. You can go through your whole life Right here, being a consumer, just adding God onto your life and looking good. And people might not know the difference. I saw that I had good soil, but I realized it was shallow. Those areas that I had been wounded and betrayed left me with a real high level of distrust that I transferred onto God. And there were parts of, parts of my heart that were deep down I literally did not want to deal with. And soon I discovered that if I was going to live this way, if I was going to live as a, a rocky soil consumer of God, I, c- I could live that way the rest of my life. But if I was, I had to start to fake it. I was going to have to fake these things and make it sound deep. Not that any Christians would ever do that, but I was tempted by this. But like Jesus said, when the trouble came, my facade came crumbling down and my shallow soil revealed itself, even if just to me. Godly community helped me here as well. It revealed my rocky heart. It revealed those places that I wouldn't let people in. Amy and I just started dating, and there were areas of my life where they're so wounded, I didn't want to open up to her or God. But I didn't want to live this way. I realized at some point I could live the next however many years of my life, decades like this. I didn't want to. I knew my life would be empty and shallow, and so I I made some small decisions that have made all the difference. I dove into more authentic community, and I did something just crazy. I went and saw a counselor. (laughs) And with that counselor, I dove into some deeply wounded parts of my life. There were some ugly and festering wounds from my past, and there were some other hard, cold, callous places from my childhood. Walking through with that counselor and some close friends and Amy, I got some rather massive rocks out of my life. It was amazing to sit there with God and pull up this rock of distrust, kunk, and find the freedom that was in that place. It was liberating. I was experiencing a new life. I was, there was so much new growth. I was like, I'm done. I've moved. I've graduated from rocky soil. Now it's time to grow some things. I looked around and saw I already was growing so many things. The garden of my heart was just lush and green with thorns, weeds. Amazingly, this took me some hard soul-searching with God, asking him to help me pull these deep-seated worries and anxieties and lusts and materialism from my heart where it had taken deep root over the years. And godly community, again, was so key because there were some people who were, some guys who were closer than brothers who helped me walk through this this process of de-weeding my life. We gave each other accountability and truth and love. It was also during this time where I began to, to feed on God's word in my own private life. I didn't just come here just on Sundays and hope to get my like, one meal for the week and make it last. I learned that I need to, to feed my soul during the week. It wasn't just a Sunday thing. I was investing in my spiritual growth on my own. And nowadays, although I live a different reality than these that I used to, my life feels and looks different than it used to be. Every single day, spiritual growth is still a choice for me and for you. See, I, I find these big rocks of distrust trying to go up you are trying to grow. You have a fight with somebody, you have a disagreement, something happens in circumstances, and, oh, there's that rock again, that same one. You gotta deal with it, or I'll, I'll think I'm doing well, and as soon as I get rid of this crop of worry over here, anxiety crops up over here. And it's, it's, it's always a choice for me. Spiritual growth is always a choice. But it's amazing how much freedom came in my heart and my life when I wasn't ruled by these hard rocks or these thorns, and that's my story. That's my path. And if you listen closely, you could hear me say repeatedly something about growth groups and friendships and authentic community and how, what a big role they played. And, and God, God doesn't expect you to, to, to go through this on your own. There's a power in community that he partners with to help us with our hard exteriors, our, the rocks below the surface and the, the thorns in our soil. The other thing that required of me was some courage, more courage than I expected. The courage to make some tiny decisions that had massive implications. The courage to pursue healthy things. The the courage to actually sign up and dive into a growth group and godly community. The courage to to go see a counselor. The courage to open up to things and other people about my struggles. And this is where I learned again that spiritual choice, spiritual growth is a choice. You see, I didn't have to join a group. I didn't, have, I didn't have to open up to anybody. I didn't have to go sign up and go see a counselor. I could have done none of that. And most of us do. I could have done what was easiest. I could have done the easiest thing in the world and simply stayed the same. That was the hardest part. It's knowing the life that I wanted and knowing the life that I was in. And seeing the cost. Because at the time, those small decisions seemed huge. But they were small. And when I joined those groups and opened up these people and saw this person, I didn't know that that years later it would lead to transformation. I I I just knew I wanted to do the next right thing that God would ask me to do. Orchard, what if? What if on the other side of your fear of opening up about your woundedness was freedom? Or what if on the other side of being honest with somebody about what you struggle with was freedom? Or what if honest conversation and letting down your guard was freedom? What if we could experience true, authentic change? What if we didn't actually have to live with anxiety, worry, fleshly desires, and the worldliness dictating our motives throughout the day. What if we could live a different way? Here at the Orchard, this is one reason we provide growth groups, these small groups, where you can engage in authentic community. We also provide free spiritual counseling. In fact, if you're, if you're at any of these, if you listen and you go, I have some of these soils in my life. I deal with some of this. I would encourage you to email Cheryl, theorchardlife.com and get in a growth group. Small decision, you don't want to do it, but what if that decision could lead to something huge in the future? Perhaps you're here today, and you have some things that you need to talk over. We offer free spiritual counseling, and look in your bulletin and email my dad, Doug Self, who will get you in his office, and you can have some counseling. It's a small meeting that might pay dividends in your future. You might not be the same person three months from now because you made some of these decisions. Spiritual growth is a choice, but but this is not, I, I want to clarify, this isn't one of those things that you just buckle down and work hard for. Try hard. The first decision you have to make is that you want to change, that I don't want to be here any longer. The first decision is I, I want to be free. We have to decide we want to pursue freedom and forgiveness. Small changes lead to huge life change. What decision could you make today that could change your life? What small sign-up or discussion or text or phone call could you make today to start the ball rolling that would have huge implications in your life? The biggest decision we have to make when it comes to spiritual growth is we have to decide to surrender. Surrender to God is the only way to pass from the first three soils to the fourth. And why surrender? And Simply because of this. I define, for me personally, I define spiritual maturity as simply increased dependence on God. That's how I define spiritual maturity. Increasing dependence on God. And increasing dependence requires surrender at each one of these places. So if you have any interest in spiritual growth and freedom from anxiety and freedom from lust and anger and bitterness and insecurity and the like, it's not about just trying harder. I'm gonna get this Jesus thing down. It's not about that. The first ongoing element of spiritual transformation is surrendering to God, increasing your dependence, letting him know, I need your help here. I need your help. I need you. So what do you need to surrender today? Are you, a maybe you deal with the hard path, Are you willing to surrender and start to thaw? Your prayer in communion is this. God, I've earned this hard path exterior through experiences. Please soften my heart. I need you. Maybe today you're here and you have a shallow, rocky faith that never seems to sustain the growth that you want. Are you ready to surrender those those wounded places from your past? Are you ready to finally talk about them and, and dig those up? During communion, your prayer is that God would give you the courage begin that process. And maybe you're part of the thorny soil, a life overrun by anxiety and addiction, lust and greed. Are you ready for freedom? Your prayer for for communion is God, help me to de-weed my heart. I need you. And for each of us, along with our prayer to surrender is this prayer that God, my heart's been through a lot. I've earned these rocks, this hard shell, these thorns through things that have happened to me in the past. But I don't want to live like, I don't want to look back a year from now, in 2020, and go, I'm the same way. I want to grow. I want to grow spiritually. So Father, here's my heart. I need you, and I surrender it to you. Please help me with my thorns and my rocky places. As we go into communion, if you're new here, I want to let you know that there's no class to take. This is an open communion because Jesus said, come and take this in remembrance of me. And as you sit there with the elements of his blood and his body, the true power of Jesus' sacrifice, ask him to reveal your heart to you. Say, where am I on that? Where am I? And what do I need to do next? Amen? Jesus, I pray today that you would speak clearly to us. I pray that you would reveal truth to us about our heart. We lie to ourselves so often and so well. Show us the soil of our spiritual life and give us the courage to surrender and ask you for help. In Jesus' name, amen.